You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly podcast that shines the light on the world's biggest energy source. Solar Insiders is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy, and Sophie Voroth, the editor of One Step Off the Grid. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Pylon, helping solar installers and retailers design high-resolution solar proposals in minutes. And Nextracker, delivering the most advanced solar tracking technology and the highest performing solar assets in the country. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and its associated website, the EV Focus The Driven. And joining me is the editor of another one of our websites, One Step Off The Grid, uh, Sophie Vorath. How are you, Sophie? I'm very well, thank you, Giles. And you? Oh, look, um, couldn't be better, um, I think. Um, <laughs> you, have to, you have to sort of stop very and pause. Very convincing. And, have to stop and pause and reflect about these things uh, at the end of the year. Um, anyway, um, look, we've got some. Um, we've got a very interesting interview that you've done coming up very shortly. Um, before, I just thought we'd just sort of run off on a couple of other little things about that's happening around the traps. Um, Rooftop solar, obviously, sort of um, creating more records on the grid. Um, look, it's Friday, November the 10th, and I just see that yesterday it's a new record high in um, in Queensland, which is interesting. And some data came out last week, just for Octo- October, which was a pretty bumper month and just sort of pointing yet again to the fact that Australians are embracing rooftop solar and we're headed for a likely record of more than 3.2 gigawatts. Yes, it's very exciting. We we sort of had a bit of a plateau earlier in the year, but things have been on the up and up since then. And a particularly good October means that we are well and truly on track for an, another record, which is um, which is good because we we need it. We need to keep growing at a at a pretty good clip. Well, we do. And look, there's absolutely no doubt that rooftop solar is probably the healthiest part of the energy transition at the moment, possibly along with sort of large-scale battery storage, uh, of which many projects are being built. And that's a nice coincidence because that will help suck up at least sort of part of the uh, the the uh, excess solar, the mid- midday, and sort of squash that solar duck. But um, we're kind of seeing, and I think we've talked about this before, that you know, as the rates of rooftop solar um, increase. Uh, and we're getting these multiple gigawatts going in a year. The the commentary from the established um, players seems to be, oh, this is not going to be the end of the world. This is actually a really good thing. We can take advantage of this because guess what? We've got all the spare capacity in the grid and we can actually, you know, with some smart controls, we can actually manage this. Yes. Not <laughs> not before time are we coming to that conclusion. No, look, that's true, yeah. And, and i just probably point out that um, South Australia Power Networks actually put something out this this week, I mean, they're, they're an interesting grid because they're um, they're already getting levels of rooftop solar which are reaching 100% of state demand, and uh, they're saying this is a good thing. But it also leads us to think a bit more creatively about things like battery storage and the integration of electric vehicles, uh, etc. Because that can also all work together to absorb some of that solar and things like that. Yes. It's now, all coming up renewables, as they say. All coming up renewables. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we say from now. Okay, look, enough of that little chitter-chatter. Um, look, one, one of the major announcements, um, I guess, over the past um, little while, um, well, I guess one of the major focuses of, of, of the Australian policy has been this recognition that we've got 
a shitload of solar. We've got fantastic um, solar resources and we should be taking advantage of that. Um, one of the things that we do need to develop is our own solar capabilities and our own supply chains. And there's one small emerging company that looks really promising. Tell us about it. It does. Sundrive Solar. Um, they are... Well, they had a couple of milestone announcements at the start of the month. The first was that they manufactured Australia's first mass-produced solar cell in more than 10 years um, on Australian soil uh, in Sydney. And that uh, they announced that at the opening of their new facility, which is scaling up from the sort of prototype scale now to a commercial scale, where um, I think the plan is to produce about 100 megawatts a year of, of Australian-made solar cells, which is a big deal. And that got backing from um, ARENA through through the federal, excuse me, federal government. Um, and just to help with that scale-up and uh, the PM was there to open it up and Bowen was there as well. So it was all all very jolly and exciting and it, and it really is. And I, I spoke to uh, Wyatt Roy, who is this strategic advisor for SunDrive. So he has a big job ahead of him because they've got a, a very um, ambitious strategy to really scale up, um, you know, heading in the direction of five, five gigawatts of production, which they intend to include, you know, solar panels uh, and so on. So, yeah, a really, really exciting development in this, uh, both the push for Australia's solar supply chain, but also the push for ultra-cheap solar because SunDrive, the other story there is that it's it's not your average solar cell. So they've, they've swapped out a lot of the silver that's used to make solar cells and they're um, for copper, which is, um, you know, more abundantly found, less carbon intensive to dig up and process apparently. And um, has has... Many other benefits, which uh, Wyatt discusses with me uh, in the podcast, which help to drive down the cost of both manufacturing it and, um, yeah, and, and, and making the solar cells. Well, cool. Okay. Well, let's have a listen to your interview with uh, Wyatt Roy, who some may remember as being the, um, I think at the time, the youngest um, federal... Youngest. Yes, 20, federal MP in Parliament. And he was the Minister for Innovation under Malcolm Turnbull, so he... He has a real, he does, speaking to him, um, a real sort of uh, passion for technology and for seeing Australia's, um, you know, as you said, our rich resources in, in brains <laughs> and, and amazing people at our universities and who've advanced the cause of solar incredibly. He's keen to see that um, played out into manufacturing. Let's have a listen to your interview with Wyatt Roy, the strategic advisor for uh, SunDrive. Wyatt Roy, welcome to Solar Insiders. Thanks so much for having me. Now, it's been a big week for you and your team at SunDrive Solar. Oh, big month, I should say. It was at the start of the month. There's been a, a, a milestone occasion, the production of the first Australian-made solar cell, is it in 10 years? Yeah, more than 10 yep, years. More so. than 10 years. And a big announcement of funding from ARENA. Uh, can you talk us through that? It has been a very big week or a big month or a big year, depending on how you are <laughs> measuring it. It is, uh, But it, look, I think it's a big moment for SunDrive, but it, these are big moments for our country as well, which I, I'm really excited about. So uh, a few very special moments. Um, for the first time in more than a decade, Australia is now manufacturing solar cells. So... Uh, we have constructed a very large pilot and commercial demonstration facility. Uh, 
uh, and uh, in the last week or so to have the first cells rolling off that line is uh, is a really great moment uh, for SunDrive, but but for Australia, you know, as we know, Australia literally invented modern solar technology. So that's a, a big, big, uh, exciting um, milestone. Uh, but yeah. then also we uh, have been fortunate enough to receive uh, some additional funding from the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, who have been long-term supporters of SunDrive and commercialising Australian technology. And then I think, you know, to really cap it off, to have the Prime Minister and the um, the Minister for Energy and Climate Change officially open our facility at the same time uh, was very exciting to see that recognition of SunDrive, but also what Australia can do from the highest levels of the government. So, yes, it's been an exciting, um, exciting few weeks. Yes, I think the PM said this facility symbolises everything that my government is about, which is a, a very nice endorsement and it's a it's good to hear him say that too there's been um quite a bit of talk from both him and uh federal energy minister chris bowen about how we can you know move from being as you say this amazing innovator of solar in our universities um and adopter of solar on our rooftops to making it here um and your facilities in sydney is that right in the Correct, correct. So this facility is in Cornell uh, in Sydney. So, you know, for those people that have flown into the uh, the airport in Sydney, when you look down, you see some quite large uh, uh, fuel storage facilities. It's sort of a big piece of land and our factory is sitting uh, in that kind of vicinity. So as you fly into Sydney, it's in a bit of an iconic location. Fantastic. And the, the grant from Marina was to help scale up the prototype production line to a commercial level, which means we're looking to produce more than 100 megawatts a year um, and then there's a sort of a step change plan and you being the strategic advisor um, I'd love for you to talk to me a little bit about what your strategy is and also um, about the technology because this is the really important part um, SunDrive's come to the market with a, a key difference in the way it's making its solar cells um, that it's saying, you know, could really knock a lot off the price of a very cheap already um, way to produce energy, which is, is is really important. And it's part of the federal government's um, push for ultra cheap solar. Uh, so, yeah, if you could talk us through what makes your solar cells different and uh, what the sort of let's say five year plan is <laughs> yeah well so let me let me talk about the technology first and then and then what the future might hold so uh sundrive has uh developed what is a fairly transformative technology and that is uh continuing what is a great tra tra tradition for our country and as i said before australia has invented modern solar technology uh, i think last year globally there was about 50 billion dollars of revenue in the solar industry essentially using ip from australia Unfortunately, very little value of that today is captured in Australia, as we know, 85 to 90% of the world's solar panels are now manufactured in China. We're very determined uh, to change that. Uh, but to give you a flavour of, of how uh, SunDrive's technology really, really represents world-leading next-generation technology, at our core, we replace the silver used in solar cells with copper. Um, that sounds simple, but... You know, I'd hazard a guess that probably, you know, well north of the billion dollars of R&D has been spent on this challenge globally. And the reason why that is a very significant challenge for the industry is today solar provides about 1% of the world's energy, but the solar industry is using about 25% of the world's industrial silver. Uh, and, you know, this is a contested environment, but let's say about half of our energy mix has to come from solar to reach our legislated net zero targets. 
-hmm. if we are producing 1% of the world's energy with solar and using 25% of the world's silver, there's literally not enough silver in the world to uh, meet the demands of the solar industry, but I would also say to reach net zero. So mm -hmm. this is the existential threat facing, I would say, the industry and our ability to hit net zero. Uh, so the ability to replace that silver with copper without getting too technical, that is essentially about how you get the copper to stick to the solar cell. That's a very mm -hmm. hard challenge because copper <laughs> oxidizes. Um, uh, is a is a very transformative moment for the solar industry and our ability to hit net zero. It turns out you actually get a whole bunch of other advantages when you use copper instead of silver. So the first is dealing with this abundancy issue. And as I said, um, uh, copper is about a thousand times more abundant than silver. So very significant. We uh, apply pure copper to the silver cell, which has very significant benefits from a circular economy point of view when you compare that to silver paste, which has a whole bunch of other additives in it. Um, so you're addressing that big challenge, but then you have these other benefits. And, and the first big benefit is you get a more efficient solar cell. So SunDrive uh, about a year ago broke the world record for the world's most efficient commercial sized solar cell. So a really great achievement uh, mm. for Australia on the world stage and I think shows uh, the impact of this technology. As you mentioned as well, there is a significant cost advantage. So if you have a bare silicon wafer and you turn that into a solar cell, about half of that cost is the metal that goes onto it. And uh, on average, copper is a hundred times cheaper than silver. So in a very expensive part of making a solar panel, you're using a material that is on average a hundred times cheaper. That's very profound. Also in the manufacturing process, you're not using the high levels of heat and energy that you need in the traditional solar-based approach. So that's also reducing uh -huh. the cost and emissions of the manufacturing um, base. And then you also have an environmental benefit because uh, to extract and refine copper versus silver is about 90% less emissions intensive. So uh, a very significant benefit. And as I said, we're adhering pure copper rather than a silver paste that has a benefit from a renewable economy point of view. So. Uh, a number of significant advantages. There's even more, but you know, in the interest of time, I think they're the um, the headline uh, advantages that come with this technology. In terms of the company, as you pointed out, we uh, have constructed a very large commercial demonstration and pilot line. So that is to prove out the fact that we can manufacture this uh, at scale. And then as we look forward, the next significant opportunity is to scale this up to a large commercial facility. Uh, where we would be manufacturing complete uh, solar cells and modules and taking a, a very interesting differentiated product into, into the market. And um, it's our very strong intention to do that in Australia if we can, uh, and very keen to work with the Australian government and the state governments to make that a reality because not only would that be commercialising an amazing Australian technology, but it would be driving a very significant advantage to our economy and to the regional communities where we would be establishing that manufacturing. So um, we're in a global race. This is a competitive environment. Uh, you know, we're a company and we always consider these options, but uh, with the right support from uh, the Commonwealth and from the states, we are very determined to turn Australia into a solar manufacturing powerhouse. And as a country, we have all the fu fundamental elements to, to do this if we can get that policy environment right. Yes, and that's, that's, that leads very nicely into my next question because you've been on both sides of the equation. You uh, w were the Minister for Innovation in the Turnbull government and um, so right at the, right at the uh, 
um, cutting edge there. And now you're on the other side seeking help. Um, are we there yet? Uh, is, is, is the policy environment right? How much assistance do we need? And, and you know, is, is it forthcoming, do you think? So um, the world never stands still. So, you know, in a policy setting, we never have the opportunity to set and forget. And, uh, you know, the very big significant um, factor that's dominating this industry is the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States, where there is a very specific and well-designed policy of having production credits to support the manufacture of solar module cells and other key elements in the supply chain. Um, perhaps before I get back to this global competitive race that we're in and where that policy environment is and where it might go, I think the important thing to recognise is the fundamental strengths that we have as a country as our starting point. So, of course, mm. it's very important that we get uh, the policy settings right. Um, but as a starting point, uh, Australia really should be the best place in the world to manufacture solar. So what we've seen is a fundamental shift in the economics of manufacturing solar in the last 10, 15 years, even in the last five years. If you think about how China developed a very significant advantage, it essentially stood that up on two things. It stood it up on very cheap labor and uh, cheap fossil fuel energy inputs into the manufacturing process. And technology has fundamentally changed how you do advanced manufacturing, particularly when it comes to solar. And so the productivity that we've seen as an increase in our ability to manufacture solar means today, compared to 10 years ago, uh, for the same workforce, you can create 10 times the amount of product. So that really has fundamentally changed that dynamics when it comes to labor. So we have yep. big job creation opportunities, but we're creating 10 times the amount of product uh, compared to a very short period ago. Go. And the cost of those manufacturing tools is falling as well. So that's creating a very different uh, dynamic. And then on energy, you're also getting big efficiencies uh, when it comes to the manufacturing process. And from a technology point of view, SunDrive's even further ahead, as I mentioned before, because of our technology. But if you took a medium term view, in a net zero world, the economies that have cheap baseload renewable energy will have a competitive advantage as we decarbonize yep. our manufacturing process in the same way that China had an advantage in the fossil fuel world. And I would argue that Australia, you know, we're the sunniest continent on the planet, we're the windiest continent on the planet after Antarctica, um, we're 26 million people on a very big landmass. We should be a country that can provide baseload cheap renewable energy into the manufacturing process, and that would be a big competitive advantage. The things that dominate cost today are those fundamental inputs. So really it is the raw materials or the value-added materials that go into creating a solar panel. Um, that is silica becoming polysilicon and glass. Yep. Um, that is uh, the, the end product is aluminium, it's steel. Uh, in our case, it's copper. If you think about those materials, which you know probably more than half of the overall cost now of manufacturing, uh, Australia has the best, purest, deepest reserves of all of those minerals. And in the same way that Australia previously had a mining boom, uh, you know, for coal and iron ore, uh, as we transition the economy, Australia can have a real powerhouse in those new materials, well, not new, but in greater yep. demand materials that we need. Um, and if we can remove the logistics costs, those are all very heavy things. If you can remove some of that shipping cost, 
that's another big long-term advantage for the country uh, as an industry. And the final point, as I said, is we literally invented the technology. You know, yeah. Australians love to talk ourselves down, but we literally invented solar technology, $50 billion of revenue last year. What that means is we have technology know-how that leads the world, but also we have all the talent. You know, Australia has this amazing resource of incredibly bright, talented people in this industry. And if we had a sovereign domestic manufacturing capability, they would stay. So as a policymaker, that's a great starting point. Um, but the US, as I said, uh, has really changed the dial with the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Uh, the federal government has committed uh, in the last budget to have a response to the Inflation Reduction Act before the end of this calendar year. Um, the day after the Prime Minister opened our facility, the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, said that will now be done in the May budget. So a little bit disappointed to see that delay, yeah. but also encouraged by the fact that Jim Chalmers clearly outlined uh, in his speech that the one of the four key priority areas for the Australian government's response to the Inflation Reduction Act is supporting the manufacture of generation and storage technology. Yeah. It's also known as solar. Mm. Uh, so clearly <laughs> solar is a very strong focus for the government. Um, the government has also announced what I think is very wise, uh, a few... Uh, what they are calling net zero industry policy test as they develop that response. So one is uh, what is Australia's competitive advantage? And as I outlined in the net zero world, Australia probably has the biggest competitive advantage in solar compared to any other industry. Uh, they have set up the test of how does this help our pathway to Australia's legislated net zero targets? Um, solar really is gonna be the thing that underpins Australia's net zero targets or our ability to reach that. And as Minister Bowen has said many times, to meet those targets, we need another 60 million solar panels on Australian roofs in the next seven years. So uh, this is at the core of the government's objectives. Uh, the government outlined another test, which is the opportunity to build capabilities and resilience of people and the regions. And as I outlined before, in terms of this net zero transition, you're not gonna find a bigger opportunity than solar manufacturing to support regions in Australia. Uh, yep. In the budget, the government had a, a policy framework of the regions that power Australia today should be the regions that power Australia tomorrow. Well, if you can do uh, sovereign solar manufacturing in the regions in Australia where you have this amazing talent pool as we transition, uh, this is the hope of the, for the future of those communities. Um, yep. According to the International Energy Agency, for every one gigawatt of solar manufacturing, you're creating 1,300 direct jobs before you get to the indirect jobs. So solar as manufacturing and in the supply chain really will change those communities. The government had another test of essentially our national security, our economic resilience and our global partnerships. Uh, as I said before, if about half of our energy mix has to come from solar and about 90% uh, of the world's solar is manufactured in one country, this is really about our sovereign capability here and with our partners. Um, so very important that we get this right. Uh, and the Prime Minister has made that point in the Parliament several times that this yep. makes complete economic sense, but it's also an issue of, of national security and resilience. And I think the exact line that the Prime Minister used in the Parliament was, this is about our capacity to stand up for ourselves, uh, directly yep. referencing solar manufacturing. Uh, and then the final test the government put out was value for money and driving private sector investment. So. What we would like to see the government do is adopt a uniquely Australian approach to production credits, which is what's in the Inflation Reduction Act. 
That's an incredibly well-designed policy where one, in terms of value for money, if we never produce a solar panel, no one ever gets, the taxpayer doesn't pay a dollar. Mm. Two, that policy is to support getting to scale because these businesses are very much driven by scale. But once at scale, that incentive goes to zero as it does in the US. So again, for value for money, um, if you don't produce anything, you don't pay for it and it goes away once the industry is at scale, that's pretty profound. Uh, but it also needs to drive private sector investment. And by linking an incentive to the production of something, you're creating a lot of investment certainty. These industries really do require quite a lot of late stage private capital that needs a lot of certainty, particularly when investing in manufacturing. By having a production credit, you deliver that in a very profound way and you draw down that late stage private capital. So private equity funds, sovereign yep. wealth funds, superannuation funds, and that's exactly what we've seen in the US. So in terms of the priorities of the government and the framework that they've uh, announced to deliver this policy outcome by the May budget, uh, I think solar manufacturing, pretty much as the Prime Minister announced last week, is the best case study in what Australia can do and how to do this in a uniquely Australian way with an effective set of policies. So we're encouraged by those conversations, but yeah. a long way to go. And, and uh, I think, as the Prime Minister said when he opened SunDrive, uh, unless we move forward, the, the world will move past us. So now is the time to seize that moment. And, you know, moving forward, as you say, really, really important. Does it concern businesses like yours who are really, you know, at a crucial point right now um, that there's certain factions of, of your old party that seem to be wanting to rein it in, wanting to slow things down and, and sort of still focus on the dig it up and chip it out kind of mentality? Well, you, you know, politics is a contested space. So uh, <laughs> if it wasn't a contested space, something is wrong and there's always a diversity of views. I think, um, you, you know, the truth is uh, the world has moved a long way in a short space of time. Um, to be fair to, you know, my colleagues and my former colleagues, uh, it was, you know, the, the centre-right side of politics that introduced the net zero targets for 2050. Mm -hmm. It was that, that side of politics that uh, really did throw a lot of additional money into ARENA, uh, you know, which has been a great supporter of this business and others. Um, you're always going to have that spectrum. Uh, but I do think uh, rather than trying to continue a contested environment for partisan political reasons, I actually have a lot of hope at, at the different conversations that we had. You, you know, for example, yesterday we had the Shadow Minister for Science, Paul Fletcher, here very very um very impressed with what we're doing keen to support yesterday i spoke to the shadow minister for climate change and energy again very keen to to see what australia can do and i think on the on the coalition side um i think there's a real recognition of uh, the sovereignty side of this you know there is yeah. a, you know and you, you do continue to see uh, more and more of those conversations happening and i also think on the coalition side there is a real determination to support those regional communities going through the transition yes um, there will be more contested parts of this policy space that that plays out. But as a uh, as a great example where I think you could have, you know, a pretty much a shared national mission, uh, I think both sides and the crossbench would be keen to see manufacturing in the regions and value adding to our mineral resources. Um, yes. And this is a great opportunity to build broad consensus. We've, you know, we've also spent quite a bit of time with the crossbench, um, Senator David Pocock, you know, having lived through difficult parliaments, I do think when it comes to manufacturing, advanced manufacturing of a sovereign capability, um, I think we'll find pretty broad support across the parliament yes. for this this part of the uh, debate. 
hard to argue against that. And a very good sign in this same week that you guys made your big milestone announcements and, and um, your funding announcements, um, major um, renewables investor Quinbrook announced that it was setting up a, well, it, it hopes to, it has land for, a, a polysilicon um, facility in Queensland. How important is for you guys is it that uh, that the rest of the supply chain comes to the party? Well, it's not really do they come to the party, it's do we seize the opportunity for the country. <laughs> and, and, and as I said, there's this amazing resource that we have both in terms of what's sitting in our ground. You know, we are the lucky country in the sense that all the things sitting in our ground are going to drive this transition. The lucky country in the sense that we're the sunniest continent on the planet and, you know, the second windiest after Antarctica. Um, uh, so it really is about seizing that opportunity. I do think that there is always a little bit of a chicken and an egg element into this. So if you can stand up a sovereign domestic manufacturing capability to drive demand, because if you look at the supply chain, that final piece is actually, you know, the low hanging fruit, you know, it's a very exciting part. It's yeah. where we can make a big difference with a few, you know, uh, a few tweaks to policy that keep us competitive. As that demand is stood up, that's where you will see this huge impact across the supply chain. Um, so announcements like we saw the other day around polysilicon from Quinbrook, very exciting. You know, from a personal perspective, I would say um, solar glass is an enormous opportunity from for the country. Yep. Uh, we're deeply involved with the aluminium industry and the ability to provide aluminium to the solar manufacturing and also increasingly green aluminium and recycled aluminium. Just to give you a fun fact, if we manufactured 10 gigawatts of solar, uh, the aluminium required would be equal to the entire annual output of Capital, uh, which is Australia's largest aluminium provider. So wow. huge job creation yep. opportunities there. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, also in steel for the framing. So, uh, yeah. and then obviously us using copper. So, I think those are the big, big opportunities over the medium term. But in order to unlock that, you really do have to unlock that first part, which is the sovereign domestic manufacturing capability. Um, and that's what we're keen to encourage uh, uh, industry and the government to do. Excellent. Well, I'm going to let you go now, Wyatt, because I know that you are flat out trying to <laughs> get everything going, get your skates on. Um, right. It's been fantastic to talk to you and it's just, it's wonderful. Um, it's been a wonderful couple of weeks for us to hear this great news about um, advancements in Australia and, and yes, we're starting to see the green shoots. So this is great. Um, well, no, thank oh, you so much. And thank you for what you guys do to support the industry and to get that story out there as well, because it is a... Um, it, you know, it's an exciting opportunity for the country and to have more voices uh, and more people aware of what we are doing is uh, is really exciting. So thank you for what you do as well and thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. And uh, keep us posted. We will do. <laughs> Thanks so yeah. much. All right. See ya. And that was Wyatt Roy speaking with Sophie. Um, look, fascinating stuff. He speaks really well about the, uh, about the technology. You do wonder what he was ever doing in the LNP though. Yes, yes. He was very uh, diplom ever the diplomat <laughs> when we, we touched on that. But, yeah, it, it does, to me, show that there's certain people in certain parts of politics that need to really just get with the program and, you know, stop all the partisan stuff. But, you know, we can dream. <coughs> Sorry, we can dream. Yes, look, it, don't, sorry, you just made me cough and splutter then. Excuse me. <laughs> I just choked you. <laughs> 
I was just going to point out too that um, you know, I mean, the, the 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 coalition strategy seems to be entirely based around now around about these uh, nuclear power plants, and uh, we just heard yesterday that uh, the flagship power plant, the one that the coalition leadership had said that would prove that you know nuclear was happening, thing has just been cancelled because um, the customers no longer want it, um, and. Um, and the costs have blown out um, significantly more than even what the CSIRO and um, AYMO predicted in their gen cost report. Um, so it just shows that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just a complete shower. So it is, look, it is quite refreshing that some people uh, from the coalition find their ways into these new technologies and understand their potential and the good that it could do. Australia's economy and also um, the environment. So, look, yeah. Exactly. He's, he was unequivocal about... Um, where Australia's future prosperity lies, you know, there's not no uh, talk of it sending us broke or or turning <laughs> turning off the light. Well, absolutely, yeah. And just going back to what the South Australia Power Networks were saying, I mentioned that just in, b- before the interview with uh, with Wyatt Roy. Um, you know, they're talking about um, EVs being able to sort of half the half the energy bills the, of the average household simply because charging your car through rooftop solar and sort of you know smart um, smart controls. Um, means you'll save a whole heap of money from not having to put fossil fuels in your um, in your um, internal combustion engine car. So it's just a fan- fascinating way. And, and I think that some of this is actually starting to gain traction. People are kind of understanding that now. Um, and mm. that's why we're seeing that sort of increased uptake of rooftop solar. And if we can throw in some Australian-made technologies in this, and we see other solar inv- innovators in Australia... You know, you think of the people at 5B with a rapid deployable um, solar farms. You see the people at Tindo in South Australia. You see the efforts to um, advance solar thermal technology um, mm-hmm. through RayGen. A lot of great software solutions. Fastware, yes, and numerous software solutions. There's a number of companies um, involved in that. So um, um, it's really quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And even some smart some smart retailers. Some smart retailers. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and I think that's also why the the anti-voices are getting shoutier and shoutier, I think, because, um, you know, this is, they need to shout because there's, I don't know, there's no reason. Well, because they've got nothing actually sort <laughs> yeah. of useful to say, so if they just yeah. say something really, really loudly, then maybe that might have some sort of current, yeah, very good, okay. Mm. Well, we shall continue speaking softly into the future. <laughs> Yes, and this is why I love this podcast because it's such a, yeah, it's very positive, uplifting needs of people who are out there just doing stuff and getting it done. So it's fabulous. Well, thanks once again, Sophie, for your efforts um, and for your interview with Wyatt Roy. Thank you to Wyatt for joining us on this podcast. Congratulations to Sundrise for their efforts. All the best for the future. You have been listening to the Solar Insiders podcast. Do check out our other podcasts, the Energy Insiders podcast on a weekly basis, um, the Driven podcast on a slightly more irregular basis, but another episode is coming up soon. And uh, we'll be back again soon with another episode of Solar Insiders. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Pylon. Pylon provides easy-to-use solar design software for installers and retailers with pay-as-you-go pricing, no monthly costs and no locking contracts. Join Australia's top solar companies who trust Pylon to design high-resolution, CEC-ready solar proposals. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Nextracker, delivering some of the highest-performing solar assets in the country. Like a sunflower follows the sun, Nextracker's market-leading solar solutions deliver optimal return on investment for utility solar farms in Australia. 
Check out their flagship NX Horizon Smart Solar Tracker, their intelligent optimization software, and the industry's most advanced terrain-following solar tracking technology, NX Horizon XTR.